Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. In his book, Walden, uh, Henry David Thoreau says, And when a man loses pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he's hearing the beat of a different drum. And let him keep in step with that music, no matter how far off, no matter how it's measured. I love that quote, because what Thoreau recognizes in 1854 is something that you and I see on a daily basis. That not only that people are different, but that people act differently. And even if it's in the, in the confines of a very close friend group or a tightly knit group of people at church or in your workplace, there are certain people who just seem different. Take Dan, for example. Not you, Dan. But take, take, Dan, for, take Dan, for example. Dan was a, was a guy who worked for a, a tech conglomerate in Michigan when I was uh, roofing in college. We ended up doing their building. Dan and I had the pleasure of meeting, and he was one of the most humble men that I ever had to meet, but he had a fascinating story. Uh, when Dan was hired on in this tech conglomerate, he was told that this is a very me-first company, and if you want to succeed, if you're going to climb the corporate ladder, if you're going to get anywhere in this company, you have to put yourself first. You have to adopt this, this air of me-first, otherwise you're going to get trampled on, you're going to get stepped on, you're going to get passed over time and time again, and you're not going to succeed. But Dan wasn't going to give in. Dan was going to stick to his guns, and he was going to do what he had always done, be who he always was. He was going to be humble. And sure, that humility sometimes got him stepped on. Sure, it sometimes got him passed over for promotions, but it didn't take very long for people to notice that he was different. And Dan was okay with that. And eventually, that humility that he showed on a daily basis, showing that he was different, caused him to be quite successful within that company, rising to a pretty big position. Dan had humility coursing through his veins. Sometimes people are just different. How about another example? A, a woman I met while on a mission trip in Texas. Her name was Lizzie. Lizzie was the kind of person that you always want to have around you, even the kind of person that you always want to be. She's the kind of person that that would go out of her way to help absolutely anybody, and it didn't matter what it was. She would babysit on a whim for people in the congregation who lost their babysitter. She would go and help her elderly neighbor a couple times a week, do yard work, do chores around the house, because she had lost her husband and nobody else would seem to help her. There was Lizzie. She's the kind of person who, in the grocery store, would, would turn around and see somebody with an equally full cart as she had, and she would just let them go by because she was in no rush. She even tells the story about one time how there was this lady in front of her at the grocery store who, who had a, a cart full of groceries, had four kids hanging around her, and she came up short paying for all these groceries. So she stepped in and made up the difference. Lizzie had charity just flowing through her veins. It was who she was, and she was just different. Some people, some people are just different, but what makes a man like Dan, a woman like Lizzie, what makes them stand out in a crowd? What makes them so different from the, the people who are infected with that me, that me first disease? What makes, what makes a person like Lizzie so different from the people who build up a six foot privacy fence around themselves and don't care to ever peek over it to see what is going on in the, in, in the lives of those who are around them? Well, the simple answer could simply be, well, they're charitable. They're humble. They're filled with humility. 
But that's just a surface answer. And that's not really satisfying. At least it's not satisfying for me. In order to figure out what makes somebody like Dan, somebody like Lizzie, somebody like all of you sitting here this morning different, is that you have to look at the motivation behind their charitability, their motivation behind their humility. What makes them different? Well, Thoreau would say it's because they're, they're hearing the beat of a different drummer. I would take it one step further, and I would say it's not just that they're hearing the beat of a different drummer, it's that they're walking to the beat of a different drummer. Over these last couple of weeks, we've heard Jesus issue a number of pretty strong warnings to us as Christians, ones that affect our heart and ones that also affect the way in which we live and the way in which we carry out our lives here in this world. One, uh, he said, one of the things he said to us was, you don't worry, because who by worrying can add an hour to their life? He, he told us that he did not come into this world to bring peace like so many thought he did, but he came to bring division. He told us last week that, that heaven's door is narrow. And the only way to get through that door is not by who you are or what you do or the status that you carry in this life, but the way through heaven's narrow door is through him. This morning, Jesus, he, he issues another warning. Uh, and it's a warning about how we carry out our lives, how we live our lives on this side of heaven. And it, and it calls out specifically two, uh, two sins that we all struggle with, the sins of selfishness and the sins of pride. In this lesson, it all started around a dinner table. It was a Sabbath day, a day of rest, and, and Jesus was invited to have dinner at one of the prominent Pharisees' house. The Pharisees, remember, they were the, the, the big religious officials uh, for the Jews. And it would be really easy to mistake uh, this Pharisee's invitation as charity if it weren't for what Luke told us. It would be easy to think that this Pharisee, this prominent man on the religious scene, would, would hope to get to know Jesus, would hope to uh, want to figure out maybe more what he's teaching, more what he is telling people in his city streets and with his people. But, but Luke tells us that this Pharisee had an ulterior motive. That this Pharisee, what he really wanted to do was to trap Jesus. He wanted to catch him doing something contrary to God's word, to bring some condemnation down on Jesus' head. And so the, from the minute the minute that Jesus went to dinner at this Pharisee's house, he was being carefully watched, not only by this Pharisee, but everybody else. When it came time to actually be seated for dinner, to sit down at dinner, when the dinner bell rung, Jesus noticed a really interesting phenomenon going on. That as soon as that dinner bell rung, where did everybody go? Everybody went for the best seat, the most prominent seat. It's kind of like on, uh, on the first day of school, if a teacher doesn't have assigned seating, where do all of the kids go? Yeah, they go right to the back because that's a place where they're not going to be distracted or the teacher won't catch them in their distractions. I guess you could also use the illustration of church. Where does everybody always sit in church? What is the best seat in church? It's in the back where everybody's sitting. Look at the front row is completely empty. This is what Jesus noticed. These people were fighting for, I'm not saying you guys fight for the best seats, but uh, what Jesus noticed is that, is that people were fighting for the best seats everywhere at this dinner table. They wanted to be seated right next to the host. They wanted to be in the places of honor. And so Jesus uses what he sees at this dinner to teach a lesson on humility. He says, when you're invited to a banquet, you're, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't go in and take the place of honor because somebody more important than you might be invited. And if you take that place of honor, and if somebody more important than you is invited, then the host is going to have to come to you, and it's going to create this really awkward situation where he's going to have to tell you that you have to leave because someone more important than you came, and you're going to be humiliated. And nobody wants to be humiliated. And then you're going to have to go and take the lowest place. Instead, when you're invited to a wedding feast, when you're invited to a banquet, take the lowest place. 
And then the host, he's going to come up to you and he's going to tell you, friends, come up and take the place of honor and then you will be honored in front of everybody. And the big point, the, the, the place on which this whole lesson on humility and pride hinges is in verse 11. It's in verse 11. If you want to turn there, we can all, we can all look at that together. Luke 14, verse 11, Jesus says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus is calling out the sin of pride that it so quickly infests our lives, that, that, all, that far too often is a plague for us in our, in our daily walk as a Christian. And what Jesus says is that pride, when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to your relationship with God, that pride has no place. And in fact, pride can be damning. The whole thing, that, that whole parable that Jesus leads into in verse 11 has nothing really to do with table manners. And it has everything to do with our relationship with God. And when you stand before God, pride gets you nowhere. What does it mean to be proud before God? That might be a little bit of an abstract thought. Being proud before God means that when you look at your life and you evaluate the lives of those around you, you, you put yourself up on a, on a pedestal, on a soapbox, and you say, I'm, compared to everybody else out here, I am way better than them, and I don't need God's love and forgiveness because they really do. Being proud before God means that <clears throat> when you look at your life, you don't think you need to live a life of repentance. Repentance is that fancy word that means to have sorrow over sin and to trust in Jesus for your forgiveness. And so you think you can pretty much live however you want because you're doing a pretty good job at this moment. Being proud before God means that you think your plan and your ideas for the way that your life should go are far better than anything that God has planned out for you and you don't want and you don't need his guiding hand. And what does Jesus say? He says, those who exalt themselves, they'll be humbled. Sometimes that happens in this life, but certainly it will happen in the next. But Jesus doesn't just talk about pride. He talks about the corresponding virtue, the humility. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what does it mean to be humble before God? It means that you recognize every single day that you are a sinner who desperately needs what God has. It means that you cling to Jesus for his forgiveness and his love and what he has promised you. It means that you trust that God knows best for what is in store for your life. Not that your plans and ideas and ideals are better than his, but you trust that the way he is guiding you is the way that he wants you to live and the way that he wants you to go. This is what it means to be humble before God. When you are humble before God, he promises you something. He says that you will be exalted. People who are humble in this life, Thoreau would say, they're hearing a beat of a different drummer. I would say that people who are humble in this life aren't just hearing the beat of a different drummer. They're walking in step to the beat of a different drummer. Are you before we explore that question any further, Jesus has actually one other lesson that he wants to teach us this morning, a lesson on charity. And after he tells that parable about pride and humility to everyone else who is 
uh, standing at that, sitting at that dinner, fighting for that table seats, he turns directly to the guy who was hosting the dinner. And he says, when you host a, when you host a, a feast, when you host a luncheon, don't go inviting your friends or your family or your neighbors or the people who are rich because, because those rich people will invite you back and they will have an opportunity to repay you. Instead, when you throw a luncheon, invite the poor and the cripple and the lame and the blind because they have no opportunity to pay you back and that's okay. By doing that, Jesus says you will be blessed and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What Jesus is saying here with charity is, is he actually gives his own definition of what charity of what charity is. Charity is giving yourself fully to somebody without expecting anything in return. There's no, there's no air of, uh, of a me first attitude. There's no air of a, of, of a what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? Which so often plagues our hearts. Instead, Jesus says, a, a, a believer whose faith is founded in him will give and give and give of himself, not expecting anything, not expecting anything back and knowing that that means he is blessed, knowing that that means she is blessed and that God will be the one who repays all of those acts of love and all of those acts of service in the resurrection of the righteous. So it's not just people who have a spirit of humility, who walk to the beat of a different drummer. It's people who are charitable. And gosh, when you listen to these words that Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 14, and you hold them up to yourself as a mirror, what do you see? Because God's word, every single day that you read it, it acts like a mirror. Do you see somebody who's completely humble? Do you see somebody who is completely charitable? Based on what I know of my life and what I see when I hold scripture up as a mirror, I'm going to guess you see much the same thing. You see a heart that's infected by the me first disease, that, that it's me first in my life. It's me first in the workplace. It's me first in my relationships. It's me first everywhere I go. And you hold up that mirror and, and you evaluate what Jesus says about charity to what you see in your own heart. I'm going to guess you probably see something pretty similar to what I see. Somebody who constantly asks the question, what's in it for me? What do I get by serving this person? What do I get by doing this or that? It's a hard pill to swallow when you hold up the word of God as a mirror. But thankfully, God's word doesn't just show us our sins. God's word shows us something far greater, shows us that we have a Savior who loves us, a Savior who died for us, a Savior who wants nothing more than for us to be in heaven. And when you hear these lessons on charity and humility, there's only one place that you can go. There's only one place where you can go to figure out how to be humble, to figure out how to be charitable. And it's not from these parables that Jesus tells, but it's to the one who actually tells them. You run and you turn to Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you don't see somebody who scrambled for the best place at the dinner table. You don't see somebody who scrambled for the highest place of honor in this life. You see somebody who was completely humble. Someone who had a humble birth, a humble life, humble death. There's no more humble place in this life than hanging on a cross with the weight of the world's sins on your shoulder, on his shoulders. He lived a perfectly humble life, giving himself for us so that we could be exalted. And Jesus wasn't just humble, he was charitable charitable in everything he did. And he didn't give 
just to his neighbors. He didn't give some coins and an offering plate on a, on a Sabbath day. He gave us everything. He gave us his life, his death, his resurrection, so that one day we could be raised to new life. And when you ponder these things, when you believe these things, do you understand what happens? Do you know what happens? God changes you. Every single time you discipline yourself, every single time that you you sit and you read the word of God and you ponder these things and you believe these things, God's word changes you. And sure, you might be walking with some friends at some point and recognize that you're different, but God's word changing you shows you why you are different. It's because you're not just hearing the beat of a different drum. You're listening to a completely different drummer altogether. You're listening to God the drummer, and his drumbeat is his grace, and his grace is powerful and mighty and effective, and it changes the way you think and the way you act and the way that you live day after day after day. It turns you into somebody who is humble, somebody who seeks to elevate others above themselves in their daily lives. It turns you into somebody who is charitable, somebody who gives and gives and gives and expects nothing in return. And it's not because you can do this on your own. You do this because this is who God makes you. It's because you're listening to the beat of a different drummer and you're not just listening. You are walking in step. And when God's grace is the, is the drumbeat that is driving your steps in this life, you will be. You will be humble. You will be charitable. Dan and Lizzie, they were people who were completely different in this life different from almost everybody else that they knew. And they would readily admit, I'm a sinner. There's no doubt about it. But I am a sinner to whom God has revealed his grace. And it's this grace that changed me. It's this grace that drives me. It's this grace that motivates me. It's this grace that makes me humble because God humbled himself first. And so I'm going to humble myself in front of others. It's God's grace that was charitable to me. And God's grace makes me charitable to others. Dan and Lizzie, you and me, we are people who walk to the beat of a different drummer. We walk to the drumbeat of grace. When you step out into this world, you will notice, you will see that people are different. You will see it every single day. But you also notice that you are different too. And this week as you go out, I pray that God give you the opportunity to continue to walk to the drumbeat of grace and find opportunities to be humble, to exalt others above yourself and to let God exalt you. This week as you go out into your daily lives, I pray that God give you the opportunity to be charitable give and to give and to give. And just when you don't think you have any more to give, to give some more and let God repay you. This week, God give you the strength and the blessing to continue to walk to his drumbeat, to the drumbeat of his grace. God grant it. Amen.